high standards, high goals, and, you know, we know what it takes to get there. I want to be unguardable, <laughs> if I'm honest. Coaches, coach, players, play. You know, and that's a great place to be in your life. We you care less what other people think. As promised, our special guest, assistant coach for the Houston men's Cougar basketball team, head coach in waiting, Kelly Sampson. Thank you for taking the time to join us. On, of course, you're a busy schedule around this time. How you doing, sir? Hey, doing well, guys. Doing well. Appreciate you guys having me on today. Well, to start, um, tell me about the outlook on the season of the team and the growth from the summer through the international trip, scrimmage, exhibition game and outlook on this team going into this upcoming season and the game was uh, coming up on Monday. Yeah, I think um, yeah, the, the exciting part for, for us is um, we've got, we, we got a lot of returners um, and we're, 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 we're counting on a lot of returners to take big steps and big jumps. Um, you know, for us, we're only, um, you know, for us to only add two guys from the portal, but then, you know, last year we, we were we were counting on a lot of freshmen to, to make an impact for us. And we were fortunate that they were talented enough that they could. But, um, you know, our formula for for uh, how we've been good at U of H here is, is that we've always had a really good amount of retention and we've trusted our ability to develop. We've trusted our ability to get guys from one year to the next and trust that their growth and, and their development uh, from so freshman to sophomore, sophomore to junior, junior, senior has always been enough. And, and that's going to be the, the strength of this year's bunch is uh, we're excited about our new guys and we're really excited about where, where they can, what they can add us. But um, the strength of our team is, is, is our guys that came back, our nucleus, Jamal Shedd, Manuel Sharp, uh, J1 Roberts, Javier Francis, Manuel Sharp, Terrence Arsenault, Ramon Walker, um, you know, all those guys that are returning to us. Malik Wilson's another guy, year two with us. That's always the strength of us. I think that um, when we set out to, when we built this program and we set out with what we were doing, it was always going to be um, a, a development program. So that, and that certainly bored out and played out its way in the foreign trip and, and it's played its way out here in training camp. Um, you know, we, we've got a lot of talented guards, I think one through you know, seven or eight, whatever many people you want to count as guards. It might be our most talented group of guards, one through eight, that we've had, um, which is exciting for us. Um, and, and again, the, the, the strength of that is the continuity that they've had with, them, with, with one another. Um, and we're excited about our, our bigs. I think this is as talented of a front court as we've had. It's just not as, as experienced of a front court as we've had. So it's been fun putting them together. You know, 10 practices in July. Uh, today is practice number 27 um, for for training camp here. So we, we've had we've got a pretty good feel for for who they are. And and, and then I know this we're we're tired of practice. We're tired of playing each other. We're we're ready to go play someone else. Speaking of retention, one of the key factors in which Coach um, your father Kelvin, I'll just refer to him as Kelvin, because it's kind of weird saying Coach Sampson being your Coach Sampson as well. So I refer to him as Kelvin. He mentioned during um, you guys' tenure with the program, you've had three point guards, and this has been successful with Galen to Dejan to Jamal, and you 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 just referenced Jamal. He said in his own words, his next step is making his three-point shot consistently. In mm -hmm. my opinion, he's all, he's great in regards to 
managing the game, setting up his teammates, and picking and choosing his spots when to be aggressive and when to look to score. What's that next step from him from a coach's perspective as you've seen his development from all the years? Man, you're talking about a kid that uh, I don't know if I uh, – when you look at you – know, when I first started recruiting Jamal, Jamal was uh, – I think he was 14, getting ready to turn 15 years old. It's the first time I really started recruiting him. And uh, for him to, to watch him then, to watch him now, I don't know if I'm as more proud of somebody who's just continued to double down and believe – in himself and believe in just development and growth as a, as a human being, as a, as a, as a player, as a captain, as a leader. Um, and I think, you know, from a skill standpoint, absolutely. You know, Jamal's, he's ready to make threes. I think um, there were so many things that we've, we've attacked with him development wise, the first number of years, getting him to where, um, you know, he was the, the, he could be the starting point guard of, uh, and, and the leader of our program. Whereas, you know, Every year you try to really fine point rifle shot something specific. Um, mm-hmm. And this year specifically, it's you know, it's not that he's, you know, structurally and, and fundamentally, he's always had a terrific shot. Um, the best shooters are the most disciplined shooters. You know, can you can can you be disciplined about getting to your great fundamentals every single time? And, you know, for Jamal, it starts with with having on time, consistent footwork. It has it's it. Uh, Includes having a great follow through and having a well balanced shot. You know the tricky thing with point guards sometimes um, is the balls in their hands at the end of shot clocks, and so their percentage can be a bit misleading at times because they, they're the ones that end up having to uh, shoot one at the end of the clock. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of the things we looked at with Jamal is you know your catch and shoot percentage was really good last year. Certainly pass was I think it was thirty eight percent. So it's not like you're a bad shooter. Your per, your overall percentage sometimes gets dinged because you're you're squeezing one off at the end of a clock, and right. and, and you know, they count the same as a wide open uncontested three. But just the challenge with him is just be a disciplined shooter. You've got a really good makeable shot. Let's get to that shot every time you're in certain scenarios. And uh, if this has been Jamal's best offseason, far, mm-hmm. far far none, bar none. Um, from and and we had really really pointed. You know, it's part of the, you know, when when you have somebody that's as committed to you as Jamal has been from since he was sixteen, um, you're able to have really pointed, honest, direct conversations because that's what he wants. That's what he needs. He trusts and believes in you, and so he he expects you you, you to tell the truth, and that's what Jamal. Uh, you know, that, that's the relationship that we have. And so I, I, when the season ended, um, we really were, were direct with where Jamal's improvement needed to be. And, and, and I'm going to tip of the cap to him. He did he did everything he needed to do. You know, he says his greatest improvement is his shooting. I'm, look, his greatest improvement is his conditioning. Yeah. Um, you know, Jamal's unbelievably put together. Um, Jamal is a, has so many strengths. Uh, running isn't always one of his greatest strengths. It's not a passion or joy of his, but to his point, he he was committed to getting into the best shape that he can possibly be in. And, you know, he's in a lot better shape today than he was uh, at any point last year. I know you, you work a lot with the fours because I see your pitchers throwing up the fours. So I got to start with, with Jay one. He's going back to the four this season. What do you expect from him back? Well, what is he going to bring you guys at that four spot and how has his game continued to develop year by year by year? Yeah, uh, just another guy that um, 
you know, I saw Jay one. He was 15 or 16. He had just finished his sophomore year of high school the first time I saw him. To see his maturation and growth and his ownership of the big show, you know, one of the things when, when, when we signed Jay one and he was a freshman, he came to us, he was 17 years old. And um, he, he, he kind of carried himself a little bit as a little brother, you know, and he was always kind of needing help. And he was always kind of the one that, that people were always trying to instruct or talk, you know, and one of the big things with Wani this past year was, look, Fabian's not not here anymore. Justin Gorham's not here anymore. Josh Carlton, you know, Reggie Chaney, the rest of the soul is not here anymore. Um, you know, Jarris, like, is these guys aren't here. We've got this brand new crop of young front court players, and they all look to you. You've got a resume. You've got an unbelievable body of work at this point. You've got to be a leader of them. You can't go from you know little brother where everybody was helping you and then you progressed to where you could clean your own house and you could mow your own lawn. Look, now you've got to have the lawn care service for the neighborhood. You've got to be willing to to go mow other people's lawns and show them how to manicure, show them how to weed eat, show them how to paint the beautiful uh, uh, lines and things. How do, You've got to teach and instruct and lead these younger front court players on how to be a Houston Cougar. Um, and again, that started with J1 had to get in better shape. Uh, you can't lead and instruct and, and be at the back of the conditioning lines. It, it doesn't work that way. Um, and so I think it starts there with, with – for us, it starts there with, with Juan is uh, he has awesome leadership intangibles and qualities about him. It's embrace them. Don't wait on somebody else to say something because they're all looking for you to say it. Um you know, your attitude and your effort is always great. You've got to take it to another level because everybody is looking at you. You know, they're not looking at Fabian and then you can kind of just take care of your own, your own house. Uh, everybody is, is, is looking at J1. He's the returning all conference player. He's the returning starter. He's got to set the tone every day for us. Uh, J1 is not a great, he, he, he historically has not come out of half times like a ball of fire. That's got to change. You know, those are the things that, um, I'm more looking for with, with Juan, you know, from a skill standpoint, you know, Jen Juan is, he, he's ready to, he's ready to make open threes. He's just got to trust and believe himself to do it. Um, part of that is he's got to find himself out there more. You know, Juan's such a great rebounder and he's such a natural rebounder that his instincts take him to the paint, you know, not necessarily the three point line, but you know, if, if he makes threes this year, that's awesome. That's great. We're ready for it. He's ready for it. If he doesn't, you know what? I don't think it lowers our ceiling. I don't think it lowers. It, he's going to have a great year whether he does that or not. Kind of getting him to uh, kind of bite down and embrace that. That you know, uh, you know where you get your money at. You know where you get your your your, your bread butter. You know, don't don't run anybody else's race. Run your race. And if you pick up a, a couple of new tricks along the way, that's great. But we're not going to all of a sudden uh, change our spots just to fit somebody else's ideas. One of those young players that you mentioned in that front court is JoJo Tugler. And Kelvin has said he's going to be a great Cougar. But like many young Cougars, they got to learn the system, learn how to practice, learn how to play at this level and play well at this level. What have you seen from him and what can Cougar fans expect from his style of play and what he can bring to the uh, to the team? Yeah, I think kind of what you just like one of the things that all young guys have to learn how to do is to handle adversity because it's coming. And then I think one of the other things that all young guys have to learn how to do is to handle prosperity, 
because when it comes, how do you handle good moments? And how do you remain humble? And how do you remain locked in phase? And and you know, don't 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 play like you're on an emotional roller coaster. We we need to find a consistent level. And I, I do think that that's one of JoJo's strengths as a human being is that he's pretty consistent with who he is. He's got a, a really really healthy self awareness for who he is, and that helps him be consistent. But JoJo's motor is his greatest attribute. He plays hard. Um, you know, when I saw him at Sci Falls High School, actually, I went to see somebody else um, and ended up loving him and thought that, man, that's that's the one we need to be recruiting. He plays like us. I, I've said it a lot, but JoJo was, was built in the laboratory and designed specifically to play for Houston. Um, he's big, broad shoulders, long arms. He's got a motor that doesn't stop. And he likes and he, he seeks it. He likes it. He wants physicality. Um, I think when, when you watch Joe, you can't help but, but uh, fall in love with the with, with the collisions that he's going to call. <laughs> um, and uh, he, he, he has a healthy – he's got a healthy nastiness about him that uh, I think is going to remind a lot of people of Fabian White. Fabian had a nasty chip on his shoulder, and it that kind of led to a really uh, – it helped – leading to our identity and i think that that's that's something that jojo does as well you mentioned how deep you are you guys are regards to um of guards this season and the talent and kelvin's mentioned that we might see a lot of four guard lineups this year and you a preference terrence might be at the fourth spot and so me seeing terrence in high school and seeing him play last year's freshman year he has a unique skill set to be able to to um really um, playing that mid-post area, isolating the mid-post free throw line area, have that mid-range game a la um, Kawhi Leonard, just to throw a name out there, for example, and to be able yep. to penetrate. And so what are some things that you're working on with him when he works with the fours in regards to maybe that mid-post area and being able to isolate when um, you guys are in that four lineup? No, he'll still be on the outside, but still may be in that in perimeter, maybe pick and roll, catch and pop and things like that. Yeah, I think one of the things with Terrence is he, he's got a lot of, um, he's a he's a walking matchup problem because he is so uh, you know he's on, he's dang near six seven he's six six and a little bit he's got super long arms and he's got um, he 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 can shoot and so uh, one of the things with Terrence is figuring out what's the best way to make him the most difficult matchup we possibly can um, and whereas. You know, and I think our roster and I think the the, well, our, the pieces that we have allow us to move him up and down the board a little bit and, and be able to take advantage of some things. But also the work that Terrence has put in and, and he continues to put in is making him more versatile as he goes. We're working hard on his ball handling. We're working hard on his ability um, to, to generate help and, and, and find other guys. But, uh, yeah, look, Ter- Terrence is a, is a really, really gifted player. Um, at the 15 foot mark, I think that's a great area for him to post, mm-hmm. get to the mid post, because he can catch and shoot. You can one dribble, get get somewhere, and then his length and his athleticism at the rim uh, as well. But uh, you know, as Terrence, as the year goes on, and I, and I do feel like this, Terrence is going to get better every month. He's going to he's going to be a lot better in December than November, January than December. I think he's going to build momentum, you know, every month of of, of this season and. Uh, you know, we're we're excited because there's a 
know, there's two guys that on our team that I think are different than maybe we've had. Everybody else is a, is a you can see kind of a a forefather for them, so to speak. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, there is not really a forefather for Terrence. He's creating his own niche. He's creating his own way. And then I think that uh, you know, there is no forefather for Damian Dunn. Um, you know, he's somebody that's that's totally unique and totally different from what we've had. And and we're we're, we're going to be creative and different with how we use both of those guys uh, to, to maximize both their abilities. And JVA is another returning starter. Um, and he has so much potential from what I've seen from um, playing last year. And this is the time that he played. And so with him, I'm sure his role is going to grow more being a starter. What's the expectation for him and how can he reach that that ceiling to to maximize his potential? Yeah, I think, you know, when the year was over, we, we had some some decisions to make roster wise as far as what we were going to do with the portal. And and uh, you know, we, we made a concerted effort that or made the concerted decision. That, you know, maybe the thing we didn't need to do um, was go sign on top of Jay. What Jay needed was just. We needed to be able to get Jay on the open highway and let him run some. You know, um, you know, water and sunshine promotes growth. Well, well, we've done a pretty good job of keeping Jay in the dark. We we got to we we got to let him go, and we got to create the the pathway for him to to play. And he's worked his butt off. He's worked his tail off. He's done everything that that we've asked of him for two years now. You know, and we knew he'd have a great summer, spring, summer, fall. He's done that. Um, you know, Jay, the, the, the greatest uh, roadblock for Jay from where he is to where he wants to be, where, where we always – can we get him to a consistent motor? And I do think that when you know you're counted on every night uh, and you're a good kid, you're a good dude, you're, you're, you're a responsible, selfless teammate, you'll find the right gear every single night. And uh, Jay's another one. He's going to build momentum as the year goes over, goes on. Um, he's still a young fellow that hasn't played a tremendous a lot of basketball in his life. And so now that he's going to be in a role where he's, we're planning on having, you know, playing him a lot of consistent minutes, uh, he's going to build momentum and he's going to get better and better each outing. There's a lot of things that, that uh, from an experience standpoint, that Jay will, will get to experience for the first time and he'll get better from each experience he goes through. And, uh, you know, we're, we're excited about the progress he's made and we're still very excited about the progress that he still can make. With the, the progress, when I watch him, I think, in my opinion, oftentimes he's such a good shot blocker, but it seems like he's trying to find a balance between attacking or trying to block a shot versus changing a shot and going to get the rebound. Because it's oftentimes when you try to block a shot, it's hard to get back in position to get that rebound and someone else gets the rebound. So I guess from you guys in the coaching perspective, is that just an experience thing that he has to get with gaining experience versus trying to determine when should I go block this shot or when should I try to change it and go get the rebound? Yeah. You know, I think most for young bigs, especially um, the, the speed of the game is their greatest obstacle. And the greatest indicator for us that a young big is, is playing within the right speed of the game. He's, he's, he's calibrated correctly as a shot blocker because that's all time. I don't know. It's gifts and it's athleticism. I don't want to shortchange that, but the best shot blockers have the best timing. They know how to, you know, if people will, will notice, uh, Jairus' shot was always a tremendous shot blocker, but
But Jared's got a lot better as a shot blocker in the months of January, February, and March to the mm-hmm. point where he blocked out and how many shots against Auburn and Miami last year uh, because he, he got acclimated to the speed of the game. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to what Javier will go through this year. Okay. But, uh, he's got length, he's got athleticism, and he's got a nose for it. Mm-hmm. He plays within the speed of the game, and the game kind of starts to slow down for him mentally and from a processing standpoint. It'll, you know, his shot blocking will explode with it. Um, and there'll be a lot of plays that he goes from either a block, what was a foul uh, in years past, will either be a block shot or an altered shot. It'll be, it'll be recognizing and understanding, man, I can't get to that one. Let me, uh, I need to show, I need to be judicious here and then I need to just get to a block out. And um, the great ones get there. Uh, the great ones can understand that how to intimidate without maybe being actually having to volleyball spike it is they, they, they understand how to, you know, the presence alone can alter a shot and, and they understand how to use that um, uh, deception a little bit in order to accomplish their goals. And so Chris Harris got there, Bryson Gresham got there. Um, you know, Jarris got there. We, we, we've been, you know, last year we led the country in block shot percentage. Uh, per possessions played, nobody blocked more shots per possessions than us. Essentially, is what that stat says. So we, we we're good at it. It's a big part of what we do. It's a big part of what we recruit. What we recruit um, is fives who can. We call it sweep of the streets. You you, you got to have fives who can come through and sweep the street. And uh, if there's a slot drive, there better be a, a street sweep in our system. Um, it's a lot of talk about the Big 12 stepping up in competition, and rightfully so. It's the best basketball conference, but um, I think you guys will be ready. But from a cultural perspective, what you see with this year's team primarily, what do you guys – and I, although you're um, still learning with the team, you haven't even played a game yet, what do you kind of foresee being maybe some of the challenges once you get to conference play? You know, just with every new group, it's just handling the adversity of it, you know. Um I thought we'd been really good here at how do we move forward and progress and get better through winning. You know, most teams need some humility or you know, everybody said, well, they're a little easier to coach after a loss in order to, to kind of reach, you know, re-grab a mindset kind of things. We, we, we'd been really good around here at being able to provide humility and provide, um, opportunities for growth through winning um, and understanding that, you know, um, what might have been good enough to win on Wednesday night in the American may not be good enough for us to win in March and what it looked like to just keep getting better month to month, even though we're, we're winning and, and things of that nature. So uh, it'll be interesting. And, 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 and our challenge is look, we're going to take a couple, we're going to take some, some more L's this year. It's just the nature of it um, is how do we, um, Flush a loss and get ready for the next fight. You know, how do we, man, we had a terrific Tuesday night win, Wednesday night win, whatever it is. How do we flush the win and get ready for the next fight? Um, it's just the emotion of winning big games and the emotion of losing some tough ones. And and regardless of what happens, be 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 mentally ready for the next fight. 
only a few more questions I have for you. I know you may be short on time, but I would be remiss if I don't ask about the newcomers, LJ Cryer, and also Damian Dunn. I mean, you you referenced Damian. If we can start with Damian, I know Coach uh, Kelvin has said he has that old game, old game in regards to being able to get to the free throw line and how patient he is and being versatile, being played on ball and off the ball. What is Damian going to bring to this team this year? Yeah, I don't know if we've had anybody who's as um... – you know, is, is kind of as, as old of a soul um, as he is. You know, we kind of call him Papa Dame around here, um, you know, but, and, and he is a dad, so maybe it, it fits. But um, he's so good with his footwork. He's such a good mid-range scorer. I mean, I remember preparing for, for Temple uh, for the last three years. There always needed to be a Dame shot fake edit and that, you know, big part of, of – of, um, of preparing to play against Dame was about staying disciplined and staying down on all shot fakes and, and not getting baited into because um, he's got such a almost a pro game and that it's all footwork shot fakes and 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 he plays in his own speed. And that's one of the things that's one of the reasons we loved him is he was so hard to play against. Um, you know, we went 17 and one last year and in, in, in league play. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that the one guy who beat us was him. And he was the best player on the floor that day. And um, so we'll, we'll, we'll post him up a lot. I think that's part of playing a little bit more of a four-guard lineup is is using Dame a little bit more as a post-up guard. Uh, he's really good in ball screens. He's, he's a guy that, that played some point guard for Temple last year, and so he had experience being an initiator. Uh, in conference play last year, he shot 38% from three. So, uh, you know, he's still going to be able to space the floor and play off the ball quite a bit. He, he's just a – He's an offense in himself, yeah. Uh, you know, in that he's he's to somebody somebody that's totally different than what we've had. The only guy that was similar in that he was an offense in himself a little bit was Tajay Moore, and then we posted mm-hmm. Tajay up a lot, yeah. moved him mm-hmm. a lot, and some some unique spots to to take advantage of him. And uh, Dame is similar. You know, he's obviously not the high flyer okay. that he was, but he's a little bit maybe more disciplined with his footwork and things of that mm-hmm. nature. I think Dame's a unicorn for what we've had, and we're excited to be able to. I think he's a he's a game closer because uh, he's such a foul line magnet. Is that there's mm-hmm. a lot of ways that that Dame can can end a game uh, because of his diverse skill set. So, um, and then LJ, you know, LJ's a guy that w- we've had that version of him a lot, and we've done really well. You know, people love. Recent bias always says, well, he's like Marcus Sasser. And there's some things – he's got some really good similarities to Marcus. But, you know, the guy that he's probably most like is Corey Davis. Um, yeah. In that Corey – you know, Marcus was um, – it was a little tricky sometimes running offense for Marcus all the time because he wanted it. Just get it to me. Um, he was such a baller and he was such a dynamic guy with the ball in his hands that – the execution of other stuff, it, it sometimes got in his way. You know, he just needed something really basic to get it in his hands. And then it's just, man, everybody enjoyed the show. Um, whereas with LJ and, and Corey, they're, they're perfectionists. You know, they, they are, um, you know, they are, they've mastered how to be five, 10 and a half and be really good college players. That's okay. the, both of those guys, you know, they've got a, they've got a great appreciation for the details um, both of those guys were, are killers, um, and that they, they they're, they're cold blooded killers when it comes time to 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 end you. Um, 
both of them have a feel for the moment. Both, you know, talking about Corey and, and LJ, both of them have uh, knew how to rise to the occasion, rise to the challenge. That's what we're excited about. LJ is, is you know, he's a proven Big Twelve scorer, but he's a proven Big Twelve competitor. Um, he knows what it's like to walk into tough big tough venues, hostile crowds, um, and come out with a win, and and how to put his heart on the line. Mano y mano, and 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 have enough will and have enough guts to to uh, walk out of there with a the win. And uh, I know this. I'm I'm really I'm really glad LJ is on my team. Last couple of questions for you. Um, but first, uh, let me say my condolences to the loss over here on um, a while back. But my question goes back to that. And what did you learn from your father during that time? Because I'm sure. As um, as a son, you you um, idolize your father and, and watch him um, from coaching to man to 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 real life. And so I, I heard his time. Um, I watched his interview with Go Cougs, and he spoke about that time and how he processed it and how he went on to coach. And I'm wondering, as not only as a coach but as his son, what did you learn from your father during that time? You know, learn. Uh, you know. Um, I don't know if I learned that he's uh, just a, he's, he's the best leader we've I've ever been around. And I don't know if I learned that through that. Maybe it just reinforced that, that um, how somebody can be so selfless about their own pain and their grief and their, their um, and their own personal fights and struggles in order to still be the leader in order to still be the face of, of, and the guy that, that, that instills strength and confidence and, and, um, in others while you're going, you're going such personal adversity. And uh, I've seen him do it a lot. I've seen him, um, I've witnessed that, that him being able to compartmentalize his own personal things and put it to the side because the greater, the greater group needs him, uh, in another way. And, um, you know, he's an amazing, amazing human being. Um, you know, sometimes you, I'm, 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 I'm never not amazed at how talented of a human he is. And he's, he's one of the most, uh, charismatic, um, endearing, lovable, uh, figures, uh, that I think that, that our sport has ever had. Um, I mean, you're talking about a human being who is, um, you know, a second father to kids for five different decades from fill in the blank economic background, different mm-hmm. cultures, different, and yet he's still my daughter's best friend. Um, you're talking about, he's just a uniquely talented human being. Uh, and I don't think that people always associate humans with, can fully appreciate that the, the sheer talent of humans until they, they see them in a wide different perspective. And, and, and you know, he showed just how talented he is as a human to um, galvanize our group and put us on, on a pretty awesome sweet 16 run. I mean, you think about the adversity we went through as a team and that, you know, Marcus gets hurt. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Jamal gets hurt. People don't know that Jeff Walker got hurt. Um, and he's going through the death of a, of a close, close family member. And we still figured out as a team how to get to a sweet 16. We, we still kept moving forward. 
Um, so he's the man. That's the reason I call him chief. And also, um, he did also describe a Goku's how um, first God bless his soul, Richie Cheney, condolences to him and his family. He also talked about in Goku's how he heard about the news and he described that moment when he um, brought it to the team and how they the following steps that he kind of brought in resources to kind of help deal with that. From your perspective, well, first kind of tell me how you heard the news and what Reggie not only means to you, but to the Houston Cougar program. Yeah, you know, I was on the floor working with some guys. Um, and uh, when I got off the floor, and I was with, I think I was J1 and Ramon. I was with my position group, so Terrence J1, Ramon, and JoJo. And uh, uh, there was a Casey Beard. I saw him first, and he says, hey, coach just called a mandatory team meeting. And when you've got an impromptu team meeting, it ain't ever good, you know. And um, I could see some emotion in Casey's eyes, and I could—I I hadn't seen um, Coach just yet. Casey kind of let the let the guys I was with—he let he let them get to the locker room, and then he kind of informed me of what had happened. And, you know, the uh, there's just a surreal. So maybe is the only apropos word there is just, I mean, this is a kid that, you know, when we'd last, we were excited that he had just signed a deal to continue his, his basketball career. And we were excited that, you know what? Okay. He's, 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 he's going to get a chance to go chase it. You know, the time period that you worry the most about your guys is from the day they graduate until they, they know where they're going. You know, because for the first time in their life, they're not a part of a team yet. You know, because most of these guys, they sign with us prior to their senior year of high school or senior season, or they sign, you know, pretty quickly after their season. So they're, they're automatically already a part of something. Whereas your seniors are those that are departing, um, you know, they're, they're, they're done uh, for us. We were done the last week of March and it was until middle of August before Reggie knew what he was doing. So he was kind of in a, you know, he's, he's part of us. He's one of us forever, but you know, he, he wants to know all those guys want to know where they're going. They want to, they want to know what the plan is. Even like Marcus and Jarris, you know, they, it was to the middle of June before they knew where they were going with the draft. I mean, it's just a, it's a tricky time. Um, but we were excited that Reggie finally had a plan. Okay you know where, who you belong to now, you know, where you're, you know, where you're headed. And um, just a gut punch of, of epic proportions, man. Um, you know, and it was kind of, a, uh, there's no way we just, we just celebrated his graduation. We just celebrate. We, we'd spent so much time celebrating um, him and, excited for him and then for you know you're 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 almost trained recognition to for an injury and the adversity of that but um there's 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 no preparation or planning or or training that can prepare you for somebody not being here anymore and um i hope uh, i sincerely hope we never have to do it again 
Yeah, like I said, condolences to he and his family and you all as well and all the players. But last question I got for you. I was Coach Sampson was on another podcast. Well, Kelvin was on another podcast, and he was asked the question, what's his, the most significant win for him in his tenure at Houston? And I want to hear your, your answer to it. He, he gave a, a good and detailed answer in which maybe you heard, maybe you not have heard. I, I want to hear your answer. Huh. Did you did you hear his response? I did. Um, okay. I, so I can I, tell you if it's not, or I, we can get more. I think important win we've had. Okay. Uh, there's two. We've had two really, really groundbreaking. This thing could have could have gone a different way if we don't find a way to win. Number one was uh, number one was we played uh, we played Liberty in the Virgin Island Classic. And uh, we thought we'd had a pretty good team that year. That was 2017, 2018. We, we thought we had a pretty good team. And uh, we went out there. The Virgin Island Classic was 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 uh, canceled because of Hurricane Harvey. And uh, first round of the Virgin Island Classic, we lost to freaking Drexel. We were up big. Rob Gray went nuts. And uh, we missed 11 free throws in the second half. And they came back and beat us at the, at the buzzer. Well, the next day, we had to play Liberty at Liberty um, at like 1 o'clock in the afternoon in the consolation bracket. There was 50 people in the stands. And uh, – with 22 seconds left, we were tied. And uh, you can't lose to Drexel and Liberty and then think you're going to make the tournament. I mean, they're, they're just they're, they're season killers. Mm-hmm. And um, Rob, we ran an action for Rob. He airballed it. It bounced right to Corey Davis, who put it in. It was Corey's only two points of the day. Wow. And uh, we just, he put it in with like a fraction of a second left. And uh, it was a horrible offensive performance for us. We just weren't playing well. We, we were just clunky. And uh, found a way to win. The next day we beat Wake Forest. We got home. We made some, some, some key personnel decisions. And the thing we decided to do was – um, we were going to start our three guards. We were going to start our three midgets. It's Rob, Corey, and Galen. We were going to sell out that they we were going to start those three. And uh, believe it or not, West Van Beck had had a pretty good start to the year. But uh, we made the decision that for us to reach our full potential, we had to get Armani Brooks going. And uh, we made the decision that we, we, we needed to force feed Armani minutes. And uh, fast forward four months, we're this close to going to the Sweet 16 if Jordan Poole doesn't end our dreams. So to me, that was our most important moment. I don't, what, what did he say? And he actually said the same year, but he said San Diego State in the tournament because of what it did, not only for the program, he, he referenced mentioning how the talks of our Houston going to finally going to make it to the tournament. 
And then once you um you guys got that win on how the conversation shifted now, now it's how far are we gonna go? Are we gonna when are we gonna win a championship? Right. So he, he he really talked about how significant that win against San San Diego State was. And you I mean, you're in the same year and without that win, you just reference you don't get to that point to San Diego no. State. And so you guys are right there line in line. You know, the th- the other one that was really important was um the next year, we played uh, Kentucky in the Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. And um, game we should have won. Yes. Yeah. yes. We're, we're, but I thought that we got down 13 that year to them. And I thought a big reason why is we couldn't believe we were playing Kentucky. There was this uh, – vibe or this air amongst our guys or our our program at the time that we were really happy to be a sweet 16 team. And I remember um, Armani ended up going nuts Mm -hmm. in the second half there. And and we, we, we went up three with a minute to go and we had a particular coverage, a low post coverage that we, we had a poor communication on and we ended up giving an and one to PJ Washington. Anyway, long story short, we lost. We're walking off the floor, and, and me and Chief kind of looked at each other. And I remember, if that's Kentucky, if that is Kentucky, we're not far from Monday night. You know, and it was that experience that we're not taking a back seat to anybody. There's not. We're not going to play any more games where we don't expect to win. You know, we're not going to play any more games where we're going to be in awe of the moment. You know, we're here. We're 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 one of the we're you know we're not just a team that can get to the Sweet Sixteen. We we're we're gonna we're gonna carry ourselves. We're gonna we're we're gonna have the conviction and the belief and the swagger that we are a top five program in America. And uh, two years later, we punch our ticket to the Final Four. But it was that experience of you know don't. Don't you dare for a second take a back seat to anybody. And I thought that that in that particular moment, there was a little bit of a, you know, we weren't quite prepared to play the, the creme of the crop just yet, the first half. And then when that second half got started, we, you know, we cleared our throat and kind of announced to the world that, you know, hey, we, we may come up short now, but uh, you're you're going to you're going to have to deal with us for a long time. Well, Coach Kelly, thank you for taking the time out to interview with us. Uh, really, really appreciate it. It's always go Cougs. And looking forward to following you all throughout the rest of the season. And um, good luck on this season. Thanks, brother. Look forward to seeing everybody soon.